wild endeavors. After winning the Wild Hunt's game, the Wayward Sons finally meet the legendary hero Egrain Venguin. Upon returning to the mortal realm, however, they discover the only way they can retrieve the Crucius they've been searching for is to let Venguin sacrifice herself. They eventually talk Oglirion into carrying out the procedure, and with the legendary bow in hand, our heroes are now one step closer to bringing down the shroud that imprisons all of Arya. This is the story of the Wayward Sons, featuring Nick Feely as Elven Fighter, Aramil Galadinel. I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but I get a third shot. Evan Chamberlain as the human cleric, Elemin Corster. Man, we have good intentions. We have terrible execution. Amy Jostino as the dwarven barbarian, Tharina Thunderhelm. Or I can knock their knees out. Adam Rogers as the gnome rogue, Malkin Castle. What is going on? Why are we fighting? Devin Salisbury as the Eldrin wizard, Varys Leodon. Definitely not a demon trying to possess you. You're totally fine. And I'm Thomas Marsetti, DM and producer of these, our wild endeavors. And now, episode six, Perception Check. Two small streams meander through the Aether Grove. Paths of Riverstone wind gently among small copses of trees and natural clearings. It is called the Grove in the sense that druids gather here, but the trees of this place never make a convincing canopy. The sun here is only ever blocked by the occasional thin layer of clouds. Just beyond the small stone wall that runs around the grove, you can see mountaintops peeking through a layer of fog. While you wait for Elglirion to rest, you have been offered rooms in one of the six stone buildings scattered around the grove. Even amid the grove's substantial restorative properties, it is a full day before the Archdruid is able to recover from reforging a Surindal. Sardrag eventually comes to get you, and escorts you to a small clearing near a stream where Elglirion is resting. The old elf is kneeling, sitting back on his heels with his hands on his thighs. It's the same pose you saw him in when you first met him in Hrithrandir. In this meditative state, the ancient elf looks younger. It's a strange thing to realize, given that elves never really look old. But Aglirion is approaching 4,000 years, and his features look like those of a statue carved by the wind, rather than a sculptor's tool. Aglirion, how are you? He opens his eyes and gives you and the clearing a brief sweeping glance. I am fine. The rigors of reforging a Crucius are far from those needed to create them. And this grove is close to the life song, in a way that nourishes the body and the spirit. He then very gently, but very firmly, gives Aramil a look that makes it clear he does not want to talk about Venguin. 
When a Cyrandel was reforged, we felt it in the Crucius we have now. It seemed more powerful now. Why is that? Please, sit. We should talk. When you join him sitting on the ground in a circle, he begins. He explains that during the War of the Champions, when he forged the Crucius, he did so by drawing an immense amount of life song from the planet. Life song is the energy or magic that creates and fuels all life. He took that energy and divided it into the nine Crucius. He believes that because they came from the same pocket of life song, that they are connected. And that is also the reason he believes that you have been able to begin finding them when the Crucius have been sought after for centuries by others. He believes that the Crucius are awakening and beginning to call to each other. And that the more that you awaken, the stronger they will get. Infinity um, gems are like that. Well, I was thinking Power Rangers, but... That's exactly what I thought, too. I was going to say it's like, <laughs> like a Megazord. Power Rangers meets Lord of the wow. Rings. <laughs> I was not expecting a Megazord reference there. That's on me. <laughs> are they sentient? Perhaps, but not in the way that you and I understand it. I think of it like the wind. When the wind blows to the north, it does so for many reasons. But those reasons are never that the wind wants to. The wind may blow so strongly it topples buildings. Not because the wind is angry or wishes for destruction. It does so with reason, but not the kind of reason that mortals so arrogantly claim dominion over. That's not actually terribly helpful. <laughs> Can you reforge other Crucius, like combine them with other magical items? Yes, he says that is something he can do. Could, he could meld my my armor with my shield? Mm-hmm. Like, how so? And my axe. <laughs> um, well, if it's something combining the Crucius with a mundane object, it would just simply kind of... We would just say it changes shape. So you could turn Fanroth from a shield into armor, and it would just be the same kind of stats, but it would be a you know plate mail instead. Uh, whereas, like, Isurindil was forged into Aramil's bow, and so it carried some of those, like, the damage and attack bonuses that Aramil's bow already had, and then added the Isurindil stats to that. I can see that being useful if we had, like, a Crucius that maybe wasn't useful to any of our skill sets. Mm. And maybe kind of taking some of that power and fusing it with us or something. Right. Out of game, this is so that nobody felt like they were getting shoehorned into an item. Um, I didn't want to put someone in a position like, uh, oh, Aramil, you've been an archer this whole time, but if you want a Crucius, you're going to have to use this magic uh, boot to smite people. <laughs> I didn't want it to be like, because you found this particular Crucius, now somebody's going to have to change the way they play their character. In the lore, the, the power of the Crucius comes from the life song it was forged from, and from its connection to the life song. And so since that's already been established by that initial forging, it can be transferred into other forms. After you discuss the Crucius for a little while, he explains that following the slaughter at Gunhaga, he retreated here to begin to rebuild his circle of druids. Um, he's being much more selective this time, given that it's likely that some of the druids he was gathering at Gunhaga 
were actually Eternal Watch, and that's how they found him. But that was actually our fault, right? We know that you all accidentally led the Eternal Watch to Elglarion, but your characters and Elglarion don't know that. Okay. So he's trying to keep the location of the Aether Grove a secret. There's only a couple of druids that know where it is. You are more than welcome to visit, but when you do, you just have to send him a message. He'll send one of those druids, and they'll bring you. But he is still recruiting druids, kind of rebuilding his circle of druids, and is more cautiously this time sending them out into Arya as his eyes and ears. You had asked him to look for signs of the Eternal Watch or hints of where the Crucius might be, so he is still looking for them through his druids. You then in turn bring him up to speed on what happened in the Feywild, Malkin becoming the champion of the Tower of the Plucked Eye, the dinosaur hunt, Varys regaining his magic and becoming an Eldrin, the death of Glorious Purpose, the trial before the Archfey, the wild hunt and their great hunt game, and now your return. Has he received any word on anything happening in Arthurmore? It seems that almost no one knows for certain what happened there, but I have little doubt that the Eternal Watch was behind that catastrophe. Alright, what, what, do we know exactly what happened? Unfortunately, my druids have been unable to get close to what's left of the city. The Primarchy's Shining Force are camped outside the city, which leads me to believe that they are also trying to determine what happened. What little we do know is that the city is gone, and what remains is some type of magical forest. Though the plants there barely resemble trees, and that any who enter do not return. I fear that whatever the Watch has done in Arthamore, it intends to do elsewhere as well. Clock's ticking now. Yes, and I don't even care if you believe me, but this was planned. This was a fixed point. It's not in response to the flippant discussion you all had last session about how there's no rush or reason to hurry. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you like to do? I think we should probably take a long rest to just talk about what we're doing. Thomas, can you remind us what leads we have? Absolutely. And just a quick reminder, for all the plots that surround your group, including some that you might not even know about, there is a progression of events that will take place if no one intervenes. So if you follow one path, it might mean that something happens in another path. Maybe even something that makes that path no longer an option for you going forward. It's like back during the war with the orcs. Yeah. So, the the Loremaster's other tip was to visit Brightmoon and look for the Hearts of Agony, a secret paladin group that were started to, in order to like protect the Crucius in case they were needed to be used again in the future. Raphael said you could find some more information in Malmayor, where you first met him. And before Gunhaga and the Feywild and all of that, Aglirion had said that it might be worth investigating Praham, the capital of the Primarchy, for a lead on another Crucius. Malkin, you know that Java Prost, your mentor, is almost certainly alive. Uh, was last seen in Beacon's End, but is traveling somewhere to get parts. Aramil, you had that cryptic message from the book that you found that you've actually been carrying on for a long time. And Thorina had wanted some information about her recurring visions of the King in Yellow. Who would know about that? 
Who or where can I go to get those answers? There are certain faiths or monastic orders who would know something about the Great Old Ones um, or this type of occurrence. Uh, though pursuing them might mean having to travel around and ask around looking for someone of sufficient knowledge or of magical or divine abilities to be able to help you. Someone from the Taresh Acadia, the Colleges of Magic in Arthamore, would almost certainly know something. Though you did just learn that the, at the very least, the physical colleges themselves are probably gone. The Vatari of Ara Israfel study everything arcane, mystic, divine, and otherworldly. Um, your best bet with them would probably be the Shrine of Nathilion. It's the oldest and the largest, uh, and Varus has an inn there. However, the shrines are kind of physical collections of all the accumulated knowledge of the elves. And they are not known for always being super eager to share that knowledge with the quote-unquote young races. And then there is the Armalucius, the paladins from Brightmoon. Their order is dedicated to protecting the mortal world from incursions from any other plane, uh, be that demonic, fey, or aberrations like those that serve the Great Old Ones. What was my cryptic message? It was something about Eliaf, right? It was in a book about Eliaf, and as you were reading about his adventures with someone named Hans, you turned a page and found it to be blank. Then a message appeared there that simply said, Help me, Aramil. That message has since vanished, and the page in which you had found it originally is now uh, just more story of Eliaf and Hans. To me, Bright Moon makes the most sense. It advances yeah. two things that we can advance. I was going to say the same thing. Almost assuredly right now. So that would be my vote. Works for me because I would say anything with Crucius and then the second important thing is King and Yellow to me. I mean, I was going to vote Bright Moon. The Java Pross thing, like, kind of creeps Malcolm out right now, so he, uh... Fair enough. He's okay with, like, kind of maybe waiting on that. <laughs> yeah, um, and same thing I'll be sad if, like, like uh, if that's one of the things that disappears, because it'll be one of those Thomas will just never tell us what was going to happen thing. But um, it's he still finds it very weird that he saw him like basically get killed and then now he's alive. So yeah, I kind of defer to the group because I mean, there's nothing really that knowingly will progress my goals in any way other than helping our group out. So Bright Moon uh, sounds like a cool place too. Yeah, it does. That's, that's what the group wants. Plus, I really, I look really like paladins. Seems a little biased, but all right. <laughs> the lore master also was the one that told us to to find Ygrain, right? Yes. Yeah, he's the one who gave you the tip. Okay, so I would think like after a successful following of that tip, we would also trust that guy to give us a successful tip, and he was the one who told us to go to Brightmoon. Mm-hmm. So I think okay. that makes sense too. I agree. So it sounds like we're heading to Brightmoon. Guess so. Hell yeah. So, with your new plan in place, uh, Moglerion tells you to, to keep in touch if he finds anything who might contact with you. He asks just so, like, if you decide to leave the plane again, just let him know in case, you know, something pops up. He's not trying to find you on the prime material and you're not here. That's Other right. than that, so Sardrag takes you back to the building with the, the massive oak um, and walks you through the tree again. You step out of the tree into a grassy stretch between an, the edge of the forest and a river. When you came back from the Feywild, you were downriver of Sinithshore, and 
you now see that you are upriver of it. And that means, sure enough, that when you turn around, you can see the dawn rose sitting in the near distance, about halfway between the forest and the river. You're maybe only about a thousand feet away or so, just far enough that some of the details are hard to make out. Um, at this distance, it looks like a simple frigate with no masts um, set up in a dry dock, like waiting for repairs. As you make your way closer, you see the four insect-like legs that extend below the airship so that it can rest upright on the ground. The sails that will unfurl along the side of the ship in flight are secured tightly to the railing. And only when you draw much closer do you see the tiny puffs of steam from the heart of the ship. The combination of machines and magic that let the ship take to the air are running low while the ship and her crew waits for you. So I'm going to have you all roll a wisdom saving throw, but we're going to make this one a little bit more interesting. First, some of you will succeed by rolling over a certain number, like normal, but some of you, which I determined earlier by a roll, some of you will succeed by rolling lower than a certain number. I'm not going to tell you which one you are rolling for. I will either add or subtract your modifier on my end. Then, without telling you if you've succeeded or not, I'm going to hop on individual calls with each of you and tell you what you see. Gotcha. That makes sense? Yep. But why, okay. why are we doing this like this way? Because I don't want you guys to know what everybody else knows. I want you to only know what you know. Mm, okay. Alright. Everyone go ahead and roll, and don't apply your modifier. 13, 14, 10, 12, 9. At this point, I ended the group call and spoke to the players individually. For those of you listening along, rather than having you sit through five descriptions, I'm going to try to simplify it a little bit. This is what Malkin and Elliman saw. So as you are walking back up to the Dawn Rose, you are walking up the, the gangplank. And just as you get to eye level with the lower hold... Um, of, of the ship. Inside you see five crew members. They're wearing the crisp white coats of the Cerulean Suns, that big blue sun emblazoned on the shoulders. A couple of them are fixing the bindings on some of the cargo. The other three seem to be there just to you know, shoot the shit. They're, they're kind of slacking off. and uh, The three slackers are all carrying crossbows, probably because they were supposed to be on guard duty. One of the slackers is playing with their unloaded crossbow like he's demonstrating a story, probably some like hunt that he's exaggerating. Um, the two working with the cargo have standard-issue scimitars sheathed at their sides, and everything seems fine to you. And this is what Therina, Varys, and Aramil see. As you are walking back to the Dawn Rose, you are walking up the gangplank, and just as you get to eye level with the lower part of the hold of the ship, you see five of the crew members laying on the floor like ragdolls. Blood is pooling around various parts of their bodies. Uh, standing over them, one over each, are five Kenku warriors. Their raven bodies are wrapped in black cloth. It looks, if you can imagine, kind of like a ninja mummy. Like, they're just like, it's a yeah. lot of like little thin strips wrapped up. They look a lot like the Kenku assassins that the Pixies sent after you the last time you came back from the Feywild. You have surprised them, and they look like they have just killed these people and were starting to slink deeper into the ship. Three of them have crossbows drawn, 
all of them have scimitars, but only two of them have the scimitars drawn. And now with everybody back together, what, if anything, would you like to do? Uh, I want to talk to the guy with the crossbow. I want to cast whole person on all of them. I want to shoot an arrow at one with a crossbow. I want to talk to a guy with a sword. I want to rage. Uh, am I close enough to one with a sword to attack? You can get there. I will get there. So this is all happening at pretty much the same time. Given what you all are doing, this is going to be a fairly chaotic scene that unfolds here. So we're going to resolve this bit of actions narratively. Between Thorina's danger sense and Varys's alert feat, they would be among the first to act. Thorina, go ahead and roll your attacks. 27. My second thing was 32. And damage? 17. And then... 25. So what does this look like? It would be like while I'm running up and I'm holding it to the right of me, so probably left arm. uh, And then the second hit would swing around and down on the right shoulder area. Therina is winding up for that first swing, Varys, as your spell begins to cast. Well, then I'll just leave the one that she's going towards, and I'll cast it on... um, four of them. Okay. Uh, they have to make a wisdom saving throw. Okay. What's your DC? 19. Two of them freeze in place. And two of them seem to, like, they stop for just a moment and kind of shake it off. And Aramil's wildly high dexterity makes him next. You see Thorina charging and Varys throwing some magic. What are you doing? I will shoot at one that is not frozen. Okay. I'll use sharpshooter. So that gives me a 19. That'll hit. Okay, so the damage is plus 20. You are ridiculous. That is an 8, so 28 damage. Okay. I'll shoot another one at the same guy. 27 and 23 damage. Let's give this kill a little flavor. Where are you hitting it? Uh, Right in the eye. So your first arrow catches it in the side, and it lets out a screech. It starts to reel back, holding that arrow in its side, and the second one catches it right in the eye. The figure goes very quiet and very still, and then falls to the ground. Are these the people I was going to talk with? Um... (laughs) So Elliman and Malkin, you're walking up to the airship with your companions, getting ready to greet the figures in the hold and maybe you even have a hand raised to wave at them. And then Thorina charges forward and starts swinging, and Varys is casting something, and Aramil is raining arrows into the hold. Uh, tell me what you two are doing. I hate, to be, the guy who I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but I get a third shot. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that you do, so... I was just going to talk to the guy who was trying to tell a story, but my friends are going kill crazy over here, so I guess I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I will shoot the one with the sword that is not frozen. 17. That hits. 24 damage. The shot catches one of them in the shoulder, and they glare back angrily at you. So now, Element, you were going to address one of the figures. What were you going to say? I, was, I wasn't I going to say anything. I was going to try to listen in on the story here, but now that these guys are like dropping like flies, I'm going to pull my sword out. I'm going to go ahead and bonus action, use a charge on it, and ignite the flames with it. 
and then just kind of like look around going, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, Malcolm? Well, I wanted to go talk to a guy with a sword, so I feel like I draw my own and kind of run towards him. And can I, can I say that like I ran past Therina like while I was running toward a guy with a sword? Just so I can be like yell at her like, what the fuck is happening? Like as I'm going by, like just going toward the guy with the sword. I don't know that I'm going to attack immediately, but I think I'm going to say the same thing to him. Uh, I would yell, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that seems fair. You take off running after Thorina and shout at her, then kind of zig to the right a little bit toward one of the figures. With your sword drawn, you start running toward them and shouting, you know, what's going on? And the figure's eyes are glued onto your sword as you're charging them. And now that we have some fighting going on, let's all go into initiative order. I rolled an 18 plus 7. So, 25? Yep. 22. 17. I got a 12. 9. Varys will lead us off at the top then. Aramil and Therina have charged forward to attack and have dropped one of the figures. You've been able to hold two of them in place. And Element and Malkin have drawn their weapons, are running forward, but are shouting in confusion about what's going on. What would you like to do? I will kind of shout, don't kill them, we need answers. And I'll try to cast whole person on the rest of them that are alive. Or are they all... There are two left that are unheld. One is in the process of getting smashed by Thorina, and the other one has not been hurt yet. Okay, I'll try to cast it on him as well. Okay, so that's wisdom again. <laughs> yeah. You cast the holding magic again. And again, the figure shakes it off. And next up are the figures... The one that Varys keeps trying to magic is apparently annoyed by that. It's going to take a crossbow shot at him. And the bolt goes wide. And the rest of them are going to fail their saving throws, and so stay held in place by Varys' magic. Next up is Malkin. The figures seem very surprised and scared by the sudden onslaught from your companions. You see Varys sling some more magic at the figures, and then he moves a little bit, kind of almost like half of a dodge, but you don't see anything that was anywhere near him that would have caused him to do that. So, what would you like to do? I'm gonna keep running toward the guy with the sword and maybe shout at him and say the same thing, like, what is going on? Why are we fighting? (laughs) And I I would like to hear his response first, or see his response first, before I strike, but... He is kind of staggering a little bit with that cross, uh, with that one arrow from Aramel in him. And he, so he staggers back a couple of steps as you're running at him, and he draws his sword. And is just kind of sputtering, incoherent, appears to be very afraid. I feel like I, I think guess at that point I might just like point the tip of Thanram at him and just like motion him to like sit, like get down, like sit down, like drop your weapon and sit down or I will kill you very intimidatingly. Let's find out exactly how intimidatingly. Go ahead and roll that. 21. That's pretty intimidating. Eyes wide and nodding 
he goes down to one knee and puts his sword on the ground. Okay, so I feel like now I'm like looking back at Therina, like, <laughs> like with my, my, <laughs> my element. This is this is something. Um, I'm gonna do something I've never done before. I'm gonna use another one of my paladin abilities. I'm gonna try to sense good and evil. Divine sense is what it's called. I'm gonna try to see if there's any fiends around here. You do not sense any fiends in the area. Bonus action, I just want to yell at my friends, the fuck is going on right now? What am I missing? Seems fair. Aramil, um, you see Malkin, like, as he's running around with his sword, like, shouting, what the fuck is going on, runs up to the one who has a, actually has a crossbow drawn at the moment, and, like, points his sword at him and shouts at him to, like, to sit down and stop fighting. And that one reloads its crossbow and is getting ready to shoot again. Can I shoot an arrow at the crossbow or at his hand to try to, like, knock the crossbow out of his hand? Yes. I think we'll make it a little bit tougher a shot to disarm him. Okay, so I will not use sharpshooter this time. That is a 31. (laughs) That'll do it. Your arrow hits the figure in its forearm. And it drops its crossbow. Malkin, you see this guy who is kneeling, and then Aramil shoots him in the arm, and they drop the sword that they were kind of already putting down. Wait, I Malkin sees a sword, but I see a crossbow. Uh huh. Oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> Maybe I like if I'm close enough, I might like kick it away from him. I'll give you that as a free action. Sure. I'll do that. <laughs> okay. How many are left? In addition to the one you just shot, there are two that are being held by Varus's magic. I'm trying to think, what could I use two more arrows for? Do um, either of the people that are being held, are they like close to a wall or something? Like where if I wanted to try to shoot an arrow to like pin them against the wall? Yeah, that sounds cool. I'll let you try that. 34. Yeah. Um, go ahead and roll damage because it, it is going to hurt them to do that. But um, you can pin the one with the sword against the, like, one of the, like, the beams that kind of, like, separates the different cargo, like, sections. Okay. Like, pin like pin him, but not lethally. Correct. Okay. Not, like, right through but the But they it's still, like, yeah, you're still hitting with an arrow, so it's still gonna do some damage. Not, like, okay. it's not gonna do full damage, but... Okay. Thirteen. So another arrow to another arm, and you hear that solid sound on the other side that lets you know it's pinned to the, the wood there. Alright, Therina. Um, I'll take the one that has the weapon near Malkin. Okay. What do you For two hundred, please. Um <laughs> I'd assume this is my normal like hit him with the hammer. An oldie but a goodie. Natural twenty. Nice. Thirty. <laughs> And where are you hitting them? Um, I would probably go down, like, whatever there's the open area where they're reaching for the weapon. Mm-hmm. I would hit that going either down or up, up whichever way they're reaching for it. Okay. Uh, so your hammer smashes into their hand and their arm, and you hear some bones <clears throat> crashing 
in their torso and you like smash them back against another one of the posts in the the cargo area and you hear like the loud thump of their head like striking the post and then another thud as they fall to the deck and lay motionless element and malkin you see this figure that just took a knee and was in the process of putting down their weapon then aramil shoots them in the arm and as they are still reeling from that Thorina charges up and with a haymaker swing of her hammer smashes the guy in the head and crushing it for just a moment against a post and then the figure drops to the floor at the top of the round two more figures enter the cargo hold from the far door from deeper inside the ship Malkin and Elliman you see two more come in with crossbows and their eyes get really wide and they seem horrified uh, the rest of you see two more come in with crossbows and one of them squawks glorious and then we are at the top of the round with Varys I would probably in the situation be like oh shit and I would cast blink on myself <laughs> Okay. Just to help give me some cover. Okay. And so then, are you going to do anything else? I mean, I don't really have a bonus action for much, no. so... I... Okay. Then if, do you want to roll and see if you vanish yeah. from this plane of existence? Yeah, I'll roll. Uh, 18. Alright, so with a swirl of your dark blue magic, you blink out of existence on the material plane and so for this next bit everyone appears to be very fuzzy shadowy figures uh, as you watch this unfold from the ethereal plane the two that just walked in are going to raise their crossbows and fire one at Therina and one at Aramil they both hit so I need both of you to make constitution saving throws. I got a 19. I got an 18. So as those crossbow bolts uh, like hit into your body, you can feel heat starting to emanate out from them. That feeling of poison, and you feel it starting to dissipate as like your, your natural defenses are able to fight it off. And so Therina, you take 7 damage. Okay. And Aramel, you take 11 damage. I, I absolutely do not take 11 damage. Because. Oh, you're going to do your thing? Yeah. My new bow uh, has deflect missile, user reaction to deflect a physical ranged attack. When you do so, the damage you take from the attack is reduced by 1d10 plus your dexterity modifier plus your level. <clears throat> so my level is 11, so do I even need to roll? No. But tell me what it looks like. Okay, I just so, use like one of the eagle wings on the bow to just like fling it away very nonchalantly. Okay, well, so then you don't feel the poison. Oh yeah, that's true. So Malkin and Elliman, you see Aramil suddenly like spin his bow dramatically, just while he's just standing there, and you see. Therina, like, flinch a little bit and grunt. And the two figures that are still being held by Varus's magic are going to try to make their saving throws. 
and are going to roll horribly, so they are still frozen. That brings us to Malkin. So maybe I, like, like turn to Therina and be like, no one's attacking, why are we attacking? Uh, I would say, what are you talking about? These Glorious. guys we should, terrified. Should what? These are guys you talking are terrified. About the Kinko? Are you serious right now? I'm going to say that's about all you have time for this turn, but certainly feel free to continue and or revisit this conversation in subsequent turns. I'm probably going to tell them to put down their bows, like kind of like I did with the other guy. Give me just a little, give me a little flavor. Like, what are you saying to them? Put down, put down your bows or we'll all kill you. You already look scared. (laughs) (laughs) We can solve this. I like it. Go ahead and roll. 16. They look at each other, then back at you, and then to the dead bodies on the floor, and then they turn the crossbow so that they're no longer holding it near the trigger and slowly start to put him on the ground. So, Elemen, you are Okay, up. I know something clearly is wrong, right? I think that's pretty safe. Yeah. Okay. Alright, I'm gonna try to use true seeing on myself and see if I can see things for what they actually are, because I know something is definitely wrong. So you begin your prayer to Tempest. You can feel that divine energy begin to swell inside you. Your eyes take on a faint red glow as the war god's magic flows through you. And I'm going to send you a message in Slack that tells you what you see. Okay. And now knowing that, is there anything else you'd like to do? No. So next up is Aramel. I will shoot an arrow at the one that yelled Glorious. 29. That'll hit. That damage will be 12. Okay. I'll shoot another one. 32. 12 more damage. Okay. And with the health, we'll go for a third one. 24 to hit. That'll hit. And that's 11 damage. Where's that last arrow hitting him? In the foot. Okay. (laughs) All right, so your three arrows slam home. And the last one, like, as as the thing hits into its foot, like, it bends down, like, just out of, like, a reflex of pain. And as it does, it kind of just starts, like, getting lower and lower. And then, like, it kind of drops onto one, like, hip. And as it's bleeding from all these arrows, it just kind of, like, lays down. And doesn't die immediately, but it's about, it's going to bleed out any moment here. Another successful kill. That'll bring us to Tharina. Two more figures have entered the cargo hold. They shot at you and Aramel. Malkin seems very confused, is trying to talk these people down, which to you appears to be not working at all. And then Aramel just shot up one of the new arrivals. The other one is reloading its crossbow. You know, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to throw my hammer at that one. 28 to attack. That'll hit. 36 So this is the new power Baharath gained when it resonated with Asurindil. The whole thing is very clearly magical as Thorina throws this massive hammer that is as tall as she is. But it sails smoothly, crackling with golden lightning to smash into the figure's chest. As it hits, lightning flashes and thunder roars through the small cargo hold. The figure is thrown backward through the door they just came through. And then Baharath sails back across the room to Thorina's waiting hand. Cool. That brings us back to the top of the round with Varys. 
did I see any differences in everybody in the ethereal plane? Um, I think the figures that you see Aramel and Therina fighting are probably a little bit tougher to see. Uh, might just be because of all that black that they're wearing. Because everything is just a little bit harder to see on the ethereal plane. Everything is a shade of gray. Things are very shadowy. The edges of things are very soft, almost blurry a little bit. That's it. Well, it says while I'm on the plane, I can see and hear everything from the original. Right, and you can definitely make out who is who. It's not like you suddenly just see a room of featureless blobs. But you are seeing the like almost the echoes or the shadows of those things as they're represented in the ethereal plane. So it is a little bit tougher to see, but you can still see. It's like when Frodo has the ring on. Right. It's like, remember in the beginning of the Shadow Campaign? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll just, like, I'll reappear, like, a little more to, like, my left or, like, away. And I'll be like, we need to stop them. This will be interesting. Okay. Because I want to capture them. Because I want answers. Because this isn't the first time they've done it, and I need to know why they keep doing it. These two that are frozen, tie them up quick before, before the, the spell fades. Or I can knock their knees out. Wait, they have wings, though, don't they? Never mind. Lorena, we need yeah, answers. I, we need I to agree stop with killing everything we see. Fine. fine, fine They'll fine. get their justice. Answers, then I kill them? <laughs> anything else, Ferris? Oh, I'll still keep my blink up, though, for now, just in case. Okay, so are you going to blink back out, or try yeah, to? Yeah, I'm going to try to blink out. Twelve. So the rest of you see Varys magically disappear. And he's gone for a little bit, and then he suddenly pops back into the room, says, hey, tie these guys up and then pops back out of the room. Like, who the fuck are you? Don't give us orders and then just leave. <laughs> uh, and the two that are there stay frozen, or held, yep. and we're back to Malkin. Can I... I don't have any fancy spells, but can I make an insight check? Of course, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing and kind of what you're hoping to get out of it. I mean, I feel like I'm, like, slowing down. I'm, like, trying to, like... It's all happening quickly, but trying to rack my brain, like... Everyone's acting weird. The people I'm looking at are acting weird right now. And no one can explain it. So I'm trying to see if, like, I can figure out between um, seeing Aramel that little bit ago, like, spinning around and Serena looking like she was taking hits from nothing and these guys that are frozen now like if if there's anything i can remember or anything i could see that could tip me off to what's going on okay yeah go ahead and roll insight 12 man it's it is confusing it certainly seems like aramel and therina feel very threatened like they're in full combat mode and elemen kind of seems to be in the same place you are and it's hard to say with Varys popping in and out like what he's doing but it seems pretty safe to say that you and Elemen are not having the same experience that Thorina and Aramil are that and the figures you see laying around the floor of the cargo hold look very real very dead and very much not like Kenku which is what you heard Thorina say I want to just dash over and stand in front of the two that are frozen and then just, like, put my arms up, like, in front of them. Okay. Or, like, facing my group. Okay. So, Elemen, um, what does it look like now that you have true sight? Like, is there any uh, outward appearance? Yeah, I was going to say, I was thinking about that. Uh, my eyes would be, like, glowing, and I, like, lights coming out 
I can mm-hmm. see Varys, right? Yeah. I... Yeah. yeah. But I can't... <laughs> did nothing wrong with these guys, so I'm getting pissed off because I know something's wrong. So I'm going to cast Greater Restoration on myself because that's the last thing I can think of that will work. Okay. Burning these high-level slots, that's all. <laughs> As the divine power of the war god settles over Elemen, another message from me is going to settle into Evan's slack. Okay. I swear, Thomas, I'm gonna fucking leave this phone call. I. <laughs> Would you like to do anything else? <laughs> I'll take that as a no. That brings us to Aramil. Therina just thunderhammered one of the figures out of the cargo bay, and there doesn't seem to be any sign of them coming back. Uh, Varys is popping in and out. Elemen is praying. You see some divine power has set over him a couple of times, though he appears to be getting more and more angry. And Malkin is now standing in front of the final two that are frozen, um, although he is a gnome, so it's not like he's blocking much of anything. I will take Ferris's command and start tying them up. Okay. I'll tie the one that I shot uh, to the post. Okay. So as Aramil starts tying up one of the figures, Therina, it is your turn. What are you doing? Paladin, because I don't get to kill them. Actually, can I go look for... Because I feel like elsewhere on the ship is the other thing. The other... Oh, you could? From where you are right now, really the only place to go is through the door where the last two figures just came out of. Is that where you'd like to start? Yeah. So I'll say that you can run up to that doorway. You have a couple steps left. This section of the hold looks very similar to the one that you just came from in terms of like the structure. Like it's a lot, it's kind of like a lot of stalls, um, almost like in a, like a stable sort of thing, but mm-hmm. with like boxes like stacked up and like webbing, uh, keeping them from like shifting around. I feel like it's pretty safe to say that we all know that Therina is seeing Kenku. So Therina, when you enter the second cargo hold, you see a dead Kenku the one that you hammer-blasted through the door. It is lying on the ground, uh, some blood pooling around it. Not far from it, also on the ground, are four more bodies of Cerulean crew members. They might not be dead, but they are very still, and blood is pooling around them as well. Crouched around the dead Kenku are four more Kenku. As you enter, they start to rise, three of them bringing up crossbows and one drawing a sword. What would you like to do? Okay, um, then I would and try to hit the one that's closest to me, I guess. Okay. 25? I'm gonna go and roll the other attack, too. 29? Two good hits. 28 for the first damage. 28 for the second damage. That will kill this one. Do you want to give that any flavor? I like to think that um, I could do it in one fell swoop and just like break their spine. And I'd be like, sure, you've got that ring of jumping, so you can use that to get a little extra air as you come running up, and then just one big over the head arc and R rated whack a mole. That brings us back to the top of the round with Varus. I'll reappear and be like, come on, there's probably more down below. We need to, we need to get them out. And I, like, I'll drop the spell. I'll cast Mirror Image. 
Okay. Just because I want to be extra safe. There's a few swirls of arcane energy, and then there's a gaggle of Varuses in the cargo hold. Next is the others. Florina, the three that are now right around you, are going to draw their scimitars and descend upon you. That was a dumb idea. You're able to dodge a couple of the attacks pretty easily, but then they do land four hits on you. So I also need you to make four constitution saving throws. They are for poison, so since you're a dwarf, you can make them with advantage. So you feel the heat from that venom as each slash cuts into your skin, but it's nothing. You've had beers that have made you feel more woozy than this stuff does. You do, however, take 20 slashing damage. Okie dokie. Then the two that are still being held by Varus's magic are going to try their saving throws. Oh, one of them actually breaks free of the spell but is already been bound up by Aramil, so not a whole lot changes there. That brings us to Malkin. You just saw Therina go running across the cargo bay and into the next room. You then heard her going ham on something. Maybe it wasn't a person. (laughs) Maybe she found a pile of watermelons and chestnuts to hit with her hammer. Maybe that's what you heard. I'd want to, like, rush after wherever Therina went. With all your movement, you can make it to the door of the next cargo hold. There you see there are two dead Ceruleans on the ground. One appears to have been very recently crushed by Therena's hammer. Standing around her are three more Ceruleans. They all have their swords drawn, but their stances are very much of the defensive, back up slowly, afraid, hoping the lion doesn't attack you sort of stance. They seem particularly confused, as it appears Therina is in the midst of moving around and shifting and dodging, but you don't see anyone or anything attacking her, even though you hear her let out like a hiss of pain a couple of times, and she gets that set in her shoulders when someone's hit her, and she is getting excited about hitting them back. I feel like I'm just going to use my short bow. I think I'm fed up now. Like, if I see that she looks kind of hurt, I think maybe I'm realizing that something bad is happening. And, like, these guys keep being around when it's looking like bad things are happening. So maybe there is. And I'm not going to think about it anymore. And I'm just going to shoot at uh, one of them. I just ran up on them. Would that be considered sneak attack or... They're more concerned about the dwarf that just jumped into the middle of them and killed okay. one of their companions, so they're distracted enough you could definitely get a sneak attack. Alright, so that is a 26. That'll hit. Alright, so I rolled a ridiculous amount of sixes on this. <laughs> okay. So it's 42 points of damage. Your arrow catches one of them right in the throat. Their hand goes up, blood starts to gush, they begin to gurgle, even as they topple to the ground. And it'll take a little bit, but not very long until they bleed out. In this case, almost certainly not long enough for them to actually get help. Does Therina react to that at all? Uh, Therina, you 
you see an arrow come flying from the door and kill one of the ones that is attacking you. Say thank you, finally. Uh, Elman. Therina and Malkin just ran into the other room. Sounds like they're causing a ruckus. So it is you, Aramil, and Varys in the original Cargo Bay with two of the figures held in place against the one wall. Okay, so Greater Restoration did nothing. Even though that's like a cure-all for most things. I can't see anything different with True Sight. I just want to make this clear, right? Greater Restoration takes care of a couple very specific conditions. But so far, nothing you've cast has changed what you are seeing. I'm just going to go up to both of them. What the fuck is going on right now? I don't understand what is going on. They're here for revenge. Who's here for revenge? We're literally fighting our own people right now. It's Glorious and the Kenku. They're coming back. Okay. Something's wrong with me then. Just point me in the right direction. They're right here. I'm going to go into the room where Thorina went into then. Aramil. Now Element has run off. Do I have enough rope to tie up the frozen one? Sure. You guys got like, probably a fuck ton of rope. Yeah. Okay, sure. I'll do that. Therina, you are recovering from the Kenku attack. Then one of Malkin's arrows flies from behind you and catches one of the Kenku in the throat. There are now only two left, but they still have their swords drawn, and they look like they want to hurt you. Uh, it's a 28 for one. That'll hit. And then I'm going to use my second attack on the other one. Okay. 31. First damage is... 24. Second damage is 25. Therina lunges forward, smashing one of her combatants in the side. Ribs crunch and they bulk in pain. She spins and swings and catches the other high on the chest near the shoulder. Element and Malkin, you see Therina advance and deliver two brutal hits against cowering Cerulean Sun's crew members as they try to retreat from her. Their eyes are full of terror, as if they are just realizing they are actually going to die. Thorina, you see two Kenku assassins recovering from your attack and pointing their blades at you. One wipes a little blood from their beak and stares at you with hate-filled black eyes. saw the secrets. Did you? Give a secret. Oh, oh it's, <laughs> yeah, the secrets of the adventuring gear pricing from the... We know how much parchment is now. <laughs> We've solved the riddle. <laughs> yeah.
Well, shit, now that you know how much pittance costs, the, the entire adventure just falls apart. It's just over. Give it a thumbs up if you're back. Cool. Okay. So how did you guys die? Back? Thomas said I won D&D, and I can, I can lead them. It's really crazy. No, I'm already the leader. Oh, dude, you won D&D? Yeah, I won all of D&D, dude. Dude. Everybody like... can stop playing. I won. All right. Am I literally the only one who didn't notice shit? <laughs> I'm like the most perceptive out of all you motherfuckers, and I'm the one that didn't. Notice what? Okay, so sharpshooter, that's with a minus 10 to hit. So that gives me a 19. That'll hit. Did you only roll like a 3 or some shit? I rolled an 8. Why is everybody shaking their head? Yeah, Monk um, thing where they can like throw it back at them if they catch it or something like that. Yeah, he can't do that, but oh, he's not a monk. What if he like um, what if the projectile hits the bowstring and he just pulls it back and fires it? Yeah, then that'd be fucking amazing. All right. <laughs> you know, I should probably have this shit up before I send him to start doing it. <laughs> Are you telling me you should plan your moves before it's your turn? Hey, you shut up. 